Hi everyone, Terry Walbrock here. Just a little message before we start the interview that uh, I have started reading um, some new books and I'm, I'm that person that can read 20 books at one time. My friends are always saying to me, how can you keep track of what you're reading? And I, I guess my brain compartmentalizes each book. Uh, but I was going through my shelf and I was actually looking for some books to donate and came across a Louise Hay book. And I always write on the inside cover what year I had read it. And this one I had read in 2001. So 21 years ago, as crazy as that sounds. And I just started reading it again. I think the title of it is um, You Can Heal Your Life or Heal, Heal Your Life. And it's so speaking to me. But I love it that as I read it, I'm thinking, done that, do that. Yep, doing that. And a lot about positive affirmations and just the way we talk to ourselves. So if you have an opportunity, um, yeah, you might want to check out that book and um, read through it. It was, again, speaking to me right when I needed it most, um, just as reminders and a little cheering me on that um, knowing how far I've come in the 21 years since I first read it. Um, so, yeah. Just keep researching, finding things that work for you, and uh, keep listening to these episodes. Not everything is going to resonate, but you might find those those things that uh, really click with you. Uh, today's episode is one of those that just really, really spoke to me on so many levels. Um, such an amazing guest, brilliant, brilliant woman. Uh, so yeah, and I won't talk any longer. Here it is. Welcome everybody to the Healing Place podcast. I'm your host, Terry Welbrock, and so excited to have Kat Lee with me here today. And I was just on her show, uh, gosh, maybe within the last two weeks. It was such a beautiful conversation. So I feel very blessed to have her here joining us today. Uh, so welcome, Kat. Thank you so much for creating this space. And I had such a great time connecting with you on my podcast it just makes sense that I get to be on yours and, and we'll just share the love with our communities all the way around yes oh my gosh you said share the love mm -hmm. I have my turn up the love turn up the love shirt on. <laughs> yeah it's, it seems so appropriate normally I try to wear a little you know because now it just looks like I have a white t-shirt on but normally I'll try <laughs> to wear you know something a little more I don't know podcast host-ish uh, not that I should or but I was like oh no I have to throw the shirt on today it just it just yeah. felt like it, the vibe so. Yeah. Well, I show up in my pajamas, so this is <laughs> this is our this is our world these days. <laughs> yeah. Right. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So you are an intimacy and relationship coach, a podcaster, yes. and so much more. So talk to everybody a little bit about what it is you're doing in the world. Well, if I could boil down what I'm trying to establish for my clients, it's really about approaching intimacy as a spiritual practice. I think that a lot of times we have this idea around intimacy with others as being like a to-do checklist. And I certainly lived the first 30 years of my life that way of like, find the guy, figure out, you know, like who you're going to marry, marry the guy, and then start clicking off all those to-do boxes, like buy the house and, you know, the cars and the dogs and, and all of that. And and then we can also look at intimacy as self as being a space where a lot of us tend to lose our way. And we all have these core wounds. It's usually one or two 
core wounds. And they're actually directly related to our Tao and our purpose. And, and if I look at my own life, I can speak about my own life, is I had such a, I grew up as a second generation immigrant. And so my parents immigrated to the States from Korea and they had difficulty, you know, figuring out American life, not knowing the language and all this. And so I learned how to control things as a way to survive. And, um, and it showed up a lot in my relationship with my brother who had, <clears throat> sorry, who had um, struggles emotionally in his teenage years and tried to commit suicide multiple times. And it also showed up in my relationship with my ex-husband. And when I look at that aspect of control, it was really about, this is how I learned how to survive in my life, right? And so if I stopped controlling things, then I was so scared that things were going to fall away and things were um, not going to turn out okay. And in the literal case of my brother, like I might lose my brother. And I'm finding now that my purpose, and this is what I call my Tao, it's, it's, it's connected to my Taoist practices, my spirituality, is really about finding ways to help me surrender and then allowing that surrender to ripple out into my community. And that can look any number of ways, right? And so finding intimacy to self is really about, okay, so what is the stories, the narratives, conditions that people are walking around with all the time that they may not even be conscious of? And how can we help them feel safe enough to release those stories, narratives, and conditions so that actually their purpose can come through and they get to lead their life from a sense of intimacy with self and, and walk through understanding that there is, um, that they have the exact right experiences to be able to share this with their world, right? So being on one side of the pendulum of, of control helps me understand that I can support people who struggle with that, right? Yeah. And, and so I think that um, spirituality to me is, is a subtractive process. And what I mean by that is a lot of times we go out into the world thinking I need to find the next book, the next podcast, the next guru, the next teacher, the next coach, whatever it is. And we are constantly, and this, this is what marketing tells us too, is we have to fill in the void, this empty space that we feel, feel inside of us. And we need to fill in that void with things from the external world. And the more and more I align with my spiritual practices and, and my sense of intimacy with self, I'm, I'm learning that it's more about shedding those layers of stories and conditions and narratives that we build up as survival mechanisms and not shedding them in a way where it's like, like, let's get rid of that part. Let's fracture that part of me and like send it as far away as possible. It's about acknowledging and being grateful for that part for helping you survive and saying okay like you can relax now it's okay like I've got this right yeah so yeah I don't know if that helped yeah. answer no question. I love it and I, and we had I, I was just like oh my gosh I was relating to so much of what you were saying on a soul level in many ways because um one of the things you were talking about was just sharing I, I think as people share their truths especially those 
those dark truths, those, mm-hmm. those traumas that we've been through, those tough moments, um, that as we do so, we are able to uh, heal and then, I don't want to say it, like embrace it as a part mm-hmm. of our journey. And mm-hmm. I know as I did so, wow, I mean, things just really started to transition. And what you said about like, then we're able to see how we have these patterns and mm-hmm. mine was trust issues. And, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, the control thing, shoo, that was speaking to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's about integrating that, right? Like we yeah. don't want to let go of these parts of us that make us feel safe, like, because that's going to make us ultimately feel even more unsafe and then grip even tighter to that survival strategy. And so how can we set up your environment in a way that things feel safe? And, and oftentimes we need an external person, either a friend or, you know, some family member or a coach who can help you just see the stories as they lay, instead of you projecting your own story of threat and, insecurity onto circumstances that are happening in the now but are being colored by your past right so I find that a lot of my work is really about mm, helping folks like sort of untangle which voice is theirs and which voice is their ego which is really just about helping it creates this narrative around you being unsafe so that it protects you right? That's what the ego does. Or the voice of the inner child who's really just scared. Or, you know, there are all these parts of you, you may even have parts of you where it's the voice of your mother, who's told you something so many times over and over and over again, that you've internalized it, you know, and so it's really about helping you untangle which voices are not yours to hold, and which voices no longer serve you. And, And how can we strip away just to the core of who you are and align with that and live your life from that space, right? And since I've started doing that, my life has changed dramatically. You know, I've chosen partners that are so different from what I would have expected my life to look like. I, I am happily nomadic. You know, you think you're supposed to have the like, you know, big house with the two-car garage and all of that and I've actually decided to live my life untethered to a place and so I spend a lot of my time in Canada I spend a lot of my time in Nevada and in California because that's where my communities live and so when you and it's what makes me the happiest and and my career is so 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 different like I had the um career that every acupuncturist dreams of when they graduate from acupuncture school that was my previous career and I gave that up to be a coach and support people virtually and I couldn't be happier and all of that comes from a place of safety and alignment with my Tao and my purpose and and if you're led from that place then you don't worry about, is this decision right or is this decision wrong? You know, I have a lot of people who struggle with making even small decisions because they've not had a chance to check in with their bodies and, and really check in with the wisdom of their bodies because your body's going to tell you some messages about what is okay for you and what's not okay for you. And it's about creating a relationship with the body. And and that comes through with a lot of the somatic work that I do. It's about creating that relationship so that you are 
not just leading from logical space because logic can list out all the pros and cons and you know make a a very well reasoned argument for or against something but sometimes that logical choice is is not the right one and and because in this culture we have a tendency to validate logic and we validate you know um doing things according to a particular pattern and we validate these ways that a lot of us live our lives and we get to the top of the mountain you know standing up there with our big house two-car garage and 2.5 children and we're like why do I feel so empty it's because at some point you got led astray and you didn't listen to your body when she was saying no this isn't the right path we want to do something else right yeah and I and I've talked about that often of when you when you when you go down that path, I think the universe, God, angels, spirit, whatever it is, yourself, your own spirit, you keep getting redirected. Like something's yes. like no 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 <laughs> this way. Yeah. <laughs> Here's yeah. another why in the road. Go this way. Yeah. 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 And we create all that shame around it too, right? Yeah. And um it's like, oh, but I'm not supposed to go down that path, you know, and, and this is what happens when you're able to actually integrate those shadows of you, you aren't scared of that fork in the road, because it's not, you know, it's not a space where you're worried about what's going to happen down that road, you know, that you can handle whatever shows up along either road. Yeah. No, it's, mm-hmm. it's what you said. It's the shame of the shoulds. It's, mm-hmm. you know, the society, family, friend, whom, whatever, yourself mm-hmm. saying, I should mm-hmm. be doing, I should be doing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. When your spirit is saying, no, <laughs> listen. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. So one of the questions or topics that I had talked about was we talk often on the show about trauma, trauma recovery, much mm-hmm. of the audience are um, ACEs, adverse childhood mm-hmm. experience survivors. Mm-hmm. And um, so you talk about trauma wounds and trauma-informed practices and how we can get back into alignment with ourselves. And I know you just mm-hmm. tapped on that a little bit, but can you touch upon trauma wounds and then trauma-informed practices? Yeah, so I think being trauma-informed it's been thrown out so much in the social media world these days. And I want to be really clear that when a practitioner claims that they are trauma-informed, my expectation is that they have taken courses and, and worked with teachers who have a lot of experience working with, with trauma. And they have the capacity to hold people in their traumas because they've done their own work. Oftentimes, like I I find practitioners who are are looking at trauma from a very intellectual space and from a very scholastic space. And in order to do trauma work in the real world, you have to do your own work. And so I think about my, my 
biggest responsibility to my clients, my biggest commitment to my own clients is that I do my own work so that I have the capacity and I'm a big enough container to hold whatever shows up in that in that session, right? And so I want to make that really explicitly clear that if there's a practitioner out there who's claiming that they are trauma-informed and you're thinking about working with them, ask them what their experience is like, you know, ask them about you know, who their teachers are, ask them, you know, what do they do in their own world to do their own work and continue to deepen their practices. And um, I think that that's really important to just note and say. Yes. Um, And I'm so glad you brought that up because we have the right to ask. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to me personally, having been in the healthcare field for 12 years now, I am less concerned because I've seen lots of unethical practitioners out there. I'm less concerned about the letters on the back of your name and more concerned about how I feel when I'm in your presence. So if I, if my nervous system feels settled and it feels safe, that tells me that you've done your work, right? It's, it's how I feel when I'm sitting with, with you, Terry. It's like, I can tell just from how you ask questions, how you slow down, how you have this gaze that, that just is so present. It tells me that you've done your own work. And, and that's the kind of safety that I'm looking for when I'm looking for my own practitioner. And, and, and I think that that's actually what people should be looking for when they're looking for practitioners is, is somebody who makes them feel safe. It doesn't matter if it's a doctor or a therapist, like you have choices out there, right? I think oftentimes we get funneled into thinking, oh, I just need to pick whatever, just pick somebody off of a list, right? talk to them and see how your nervous system feels. Because if your nervous system doesn't feel that safety, then you're only going to go so far in their work. Right. Oh, and Um, it is such, I love that too. Wow. And I feel, I mean, certainly feel the same. I've told you, your just, your energy just uh, makes me feel at peace. And so I, there is there. And I talk about energy quite a bit here and I used to not be in tune with that, but as I did the healing work, you really do start to become more in tune with how do I feel in the presence of this person? And yeah. you know, what am I, what am I receiving on an energy level? And yeah. it's so, it's so accurate. And I know, I think we have a teenage daughter and we talk to her often about if you're getting a bad vibe, if you're getting weird energy, it, whatever, it's okay to walk away, like honor that. And I know women, I mean, I think we're learning, but Mm -hmm. we're very intuitive and very in touch with that. And so, and to honor it, oh, just so huge. So huge. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's such an important skill to teach, especially to a teenage girl, because I know growing up, I imagine that for you too, I was taught so many strategies on how to override the sensations that are coming from your body right? Whether that came from sexuality, whether that came from what I wanted to do with my life, even just, you know, like what I wanted to eat, I feel like was, was not a welcome discussion. And so I think this all goes back to somatic work for me, because the closer and more intimate relationship you have with your body, then you're guided from that place of deep knowing. 
And, and the tricky part is that trauma blocks us from our bodies. You know, if you, if you think about it, it's like for a lot of people, especially if they've had big T trauma, but also if you've had little T trauma, like if you've had big T trauma, your spirit gets kicked out of your body for a minute because it was too unsafe of an environment for you. And so it takes a lot of work to call that spirit back into your body, right? And if you've had little T trauma, it's like you've been told over and over and over again that that gut feeling that exists in your stomach or that exists in your chest and or exists in your hips, like that gut feeling that you know isn't important and you're told that over and over and over again then you start to disconnect from that part of you because it's like it's too painful to go through experiences knowing that my body already knows and so um and so a lot of times people will will just live from their shoulders on up (laughs) and and that's what I see walking around in the world right especially in the light of the last year like how like 2020 was just it's been so interesting having done trauma work and looking at how people are reacting to these social movements that are happening whether or not you want to get vaccinated you know it's it's everybody's traumas are coming out on display here and it's so interesting because like it may be on the surface it might look like you know somebody doesn't want to get vaccinated because for whatever reason, you know, and you're having an argument on that like head, like budding level, and it's so frustrating. But if you started to get curious and started asking questions about what that vaccine means to that other person, I find that it's almost never actually about the vaccine. It's about, you know, how was their freedom taken away from their body space as when they were younger? how were medical procedures um, stepped into in their history? You know, were medical procedures forced upon them in their history? Do they have a history of rape? Because the idea of something being done to your body when you don't feel like you trust it is a really, really hard place for people to go to. And so on the surface level, you might be arguing about a vaccine and going through the logical steps of like, but you should get it because these numbers and these statistics and the CDC says this and the WHO says this, but you aren't going to be able to actually understand until you get down to that trauma level. And then on the flip side as well, you know, somebody may have felt safe trusting an authority figure over themselves and that's just how they've lived their life and so if you know the cdc says that they need to get the vaccine then of course they get the vaccine right and and i'm not saying this on the on the side of either being pro-vax or or anti-vax i'm just saying this from the space of instead of looking at these arguments from these like surface level areas can we actually emotionally attuned with each other as human beings and I think that that's what we're all being called to do and if you're feeling that calling you're going to have to do some deep deep trauma work to be able to access that emotional attunement space because there's a lot of trauma walking around walking around in the world yes and that's the most beautiful picture painting that I've heard yet on mm-hmm. the, the two approaches of, of you know vac- be vaccinated don't be vaccinated and mm-hmm. um and it is so true but I say it so often on the show we are all on our own healing journeys mm-hmm. and if we can take that 
approach, it just sounds exactly what you were, what you were just saying is you just have to say, you know, that person's on their own healing journey. And so Mm -hmm. um, they need to do it their way because Mm -hmm. of where they are in their history and where they are along that journey. Mm -hmm. And it all comes down to emotional attunement. I think it's like, if this is someone that you love, if, um, if you're, you know your mom is on the opposite side of you like can you get down to an emotional attunement level instead of arguing like what does that vaccine mean to you you know and fill in the blank of whatever that is what is the protest the black lives matters protest mean to you this is really triggering for you and 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 so i'm curious about like what this is bringing up for you and emotionally attuned on that level instead of um, attuning on the level of like logic and like going at it with each other. <laughs> yeah. And there's a part of me that it, it popped into my head as you were talking that, um, you know, you have so many of these keyboard warriors on social media and Twitter and Facebook or wherever, and they just lose their minds, you know, on their, on a subject. And you wonder, I so want to say, Oh, what was your, what, what's your ACEs score? What was your yes. childhood? Like, what was your trauma history? Because were you silenced for so long and now you feel as if you have a voice and you're be, you're safe because you're behind the keyboard you're hidden you're you're at the keyboard instead yeah and yeah. so that's where it's like ah oh, i finally have this voice and i can say it <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah and not only just that they have a voice now it's that now there's a whole community of people who likely also have high aces scores who are validating that that post who are liking it who are retweeting it you know doing all the things that tells you oh like it's actually better for you to stay in this wounded space instead of like evolving out of it yeah oh fascinating wow we could do a whole study on that (laughs) wow (laughs) yeah i mean that's deep and powerful stuff Mm -hmm. All right. Interesting. All right. So let's get into um, ooh, one of the other things I wanted to talk about. I made little notes for myself. Yeah. Insecure attachment patterns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that one, that one also <laughs> resonated with me uh, only because I've lived it. <laughs> yeah. 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 So talk- and I know it's just, it's again, one of those subjects, like one of my, I think most viewed YouTube um interviews is yeah. is about um, attachment. attachment yeah insecure yeah. attachment yeah yeah so that terminology comes from attachment theory and um i speak about it a little bit differently because there are four attachment styles there's the secure there's the anxious avoidant there's the anxious and then there's the avoidantly attached right and so the anxious avoidant is a combination of of the two and Again, I, I think that if we do that curious work that goes beyond just, you know, surface level, why are you doing this? It always goes back to our family of origin. And so how you were attuned with when you were a child taught you how to survive. And one of the things that we need to survive as infants is we need love. So how did you learn to find love, trust, and belonging in your family of origin? And so for some people, it meant that you had to be really, really small and had to be quiet and had to detach, actually, to receive love, trust, and belonging. 
And in other families, it meant that you had to be really like, really, really connected at the hip in order to receive that love, trust and belonging. And there's like a million iterations of what these stories can look like, right? And then when you grow up, you don't just like, I turned 18 and ta-da, I'm an adult and now I'm just going to go find secure attachments. You carry those strategies on into your adult relationships. And I certainly did this for, you know, many years of my life as well. I, I'm classically an anxiously attached person. And, and so when I think about that, it goes back to my history with my brother, where if I wasn't on top of him all the time, I could actually literally lose him. I used to sit outside of his um, door when he was taking a shower with my ear pressed up against the shower door or up against the bathroom door because I was scared that he was going to drown himself. And if I could hear any sort of like break in his activity and his movement, I would knock on the door. And so like that didn't go away with my first relationship which was my um, my ex-husband right like I had to keep tabs on every single movement happening in his life which is not a healthy way to to walk into a relationship right. and I instead of I think that a lot of times western medicine has a tendency to want to put people into boxes and so like you can very clearly put me into the box of the anxious attached right but then it takes out the nuance of the entire person right because in certain relationships i could be avoidantly attached in certain relationships because i feel safe i could be securely attached in certain relationships i might have a mix of both and so i could be anxious and avoidant right and so i think it's really important to to take out the boxes. It's the same way that we think about our sexuality, right? Like it's, it's, a, it's a spectrum, it's a fluid space that we all float around as human beings. And, um, and so if we can think about these as being more strategies that we needed to survive, instead of this is who you are and this is who you're going to be, um, which is what frustrates me about attachment theory actually is a lot of the books that I've read is about identifying which attachment pattern you are most like. And then if you're anything but a secure attacher, then go find somebody who's securely attached, right? So that's um, the most common book that I've seen out there on the market is Attached by Amir, oh gosh, I can't remember his last name. Um, but he says that outrightly is like, if you are not securely attached, go find somebody else who is right. And that's not helpful, especially if you're in a relationship where there is that pendulum swing. A lot of times anxious and avoidant detached partners find each other because they're working something out together. Right. And so they're meant to be together on some level whether it's forever or for this moment, but they're meant to learn something from each other. And so it negates that healing relationship that can happen in actually a pendulum swing partnership. So I think attachment theory is a really good framework to help you understand, but you have to take it beyond that. You have to take a trauma-informed approach, which is, okay, so we know this about you. 
How did this serve you in the past, right? And is that story still true? Um, because if we're telling people, go find somebody who's securely attached, it, it, it keeps re-traumatizing that wound within that says you're not good enough, you can't do this by yourself, that you, know, you, you need somebody else to rely on, you can't do this work, like what makes you think that you could be unbroken from this, right? And, and I don't stand by that at all. Like, I think that everybody has the capacity to heal. I mean, you have such a difficult story when it comes to trauma and you look on this side of it and it's like, you've taken all that and integrated it in a way that you're not playing out those past traumas, that past history, that past story onto your everyday experiences, right? And, and I think that that's what we need to do when it comes to attachment theory as well. It's like, okay, so you learned you have some trauma in your past. How can we help you move forward in a way that you're not overlaying the pain and, and hurt that you received from your mom, the pain and hurt that you received from your first boyfriend, and you're not overlaying that onto the current human being who's standing right in front of you, who comes with their own nuanced history of trauma as well, right? Um, And so that's how I think about attachment theory. Yes. Oh my gosh. Beautiful explanation. And again, just, um, I love the way you paint the picture because it it resonated. And one of the things you said, the word that stuck out was learned because as, as you were speaking, I, I was saying to myself, you know, so many of us, if, if we can take a step back and say, what do I need to learn from this particular relationship? And mm-hmm. what, because like you said, it's not that we need to find that person that, you know, that's in a secure relationship, but maybe this person needs to be in our life right now because we need to learn a lesson. Yes. They need to learn a lesson and we need yes. to, to be there with each other along that part of the journey. And I love that idea mm-hmm. um, that, mm-hmm. but but the but that I have to throw in is that we have to be able to be in a place where we're, we are open to learning yes. and we're open to uh, that healing message that we can, we can gain from that tumultuous, <laughs> sometimes tumultuous relationship. Absolutely. I know that when it comes to my attachment wounds, the person I have learned the most from is um my previous partner who was avoidantly attached like so like we were on like opposite ends of the spectrum you know and but the difference is that we were both so willing to learn from each other like there was so much love and trust and accountability in the relationship that I started looking at his strategy and being like oh actually him stepping away from the conversation is something that I need to do I just need to do it in a way that I'm not running away right And him looking at my strategy and being like, oh, sweeping things under the rug hasn't worked for me in the past. I should maybe talk about things, right? And so we started this dialogue back and forth of looking at the other side of the pendulum and being like, okay, so I don't want to run away, but how can I create space to have my time? I'm talking from his point of view. Like, how can I create some space for me? so that I can have time to process and integrate what just happened, because that's all he's needing when he's needing that space, right? And and I'm looking at the situation and being like, okay, so how can I give him that space without 
clinging and checking in and and always needing to have like an update on on things and trust that he is actually doing the work right and so there's been so much that he and I have learned by being with each other um, in that process of like bridging that that attachment wound gap right and I've learned so so much in terms of like like taking a sacred pause so important and I didn't know how to do that before him so so important I love that I love that word a sacred pause I mean what a gift you're giving not just to yourself but to that person that's in the other half of that relationship with you Mm-hmm. yeah yeah beautiful all right well I, I told you we could sit and talk for hours on end so <laughs> um how is there anything else that you wanted to touch upon that we haven't had an opportunity to talk about yet no this feels good this feels like a good overview of, of the work that I do so thank you for creating this space oh my gosh absolutely so how do how do people connect with you how do they find you yeah so my website is empoweredcuriosity.com and I'm on Instagram, which is the same handle, Empowered Curiosity. And I'm fairly active on Instagram. So if you're over there, then just pop on over, send me a DM. I'm, I'm always open to having conversations with folks. And yeah, I do one-on-one work. I do group coaching containers. Um, I'm in the process of writing a book right now. So yeah, there's going to be lots of stuff coming down the pipeline. Awesome. Oh, when your book is launched, come back on. We'll tell everybody about it. So yay. And I know on Instagram, this son, I can never point the man, Jacob. Um, oh my gosh. He, he, when I, when Instagram first started like coming onto the scene, I had made an Instagram account and I have one and every now and then I'll put something out on it, but he was like, mom, your hashtags. And I was like, I don't even know what a hashtag is. So <laughs> I just, I, I, I don't know. I just can't grasp what I, I do better with Instagram than Twitter. Don't even like I, Twitter. I, I, can't, I can't even Twitter. wrap my head around it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I don't know. I can't do Twitter. I can't do the TikTok. Like, yeah, yeah, no. like Instagram is the only one that makes sense for me. Yeah. And Instagram's awesome. Like it, it, it seems to be almost like that's really the place right now where things are just kabooming and, mm-hmm. um, and YouTube. I mean, I know YouTube, you can certainly get messages out. I, I don't think it's as much as a conversation goes on like it does on Instagram or interaction. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, very cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here and just the thank beautiful you. work you do in the world. Thank you for your work and thanks for creating the space for me to show up. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for being with us here today. And remember, until next time, be gentle with yourself. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. Terry Welbrock again. Just wanted to thank you for listening to the episode today and remind you to visit my website as well as the academy.terrywelbrock.com for the courses. But if you go to my website, terrywelbrock.com, you can sign up for my monthly Hope for Healing newsletter, which is also jam-packed with information and strategies and blog pieces and guest blog pieces and links to shows um, and just a great space for, uh, again, healing and hope strategies. Thanks for, again, being here and being a part of this healing space. I very much appreciate you. All right. Bye-bye.